These are 10 unconventional tips for generating greater wealth. Welcome to The Underestimated Entrepreneur, where I share mindset, lifestyle, and business hacking tips, tools, and some painful lessons along my journey from growing my businesses, and also working with some of the top entrepreneurs, business leaders, and professional athletes. In this episode, I'm going to talk about these 10 unconventional tips for wealth creation. Now, these are some of the things that most people don't even talk about. You don't really read them in wealth books. Some of them you will, some of them you won't. But let's just talk about them anyway, because I think most people that I talk to who are driven mofos really want to get ahead financially, but these are some of the things that they normally struggle with that no one really talks about. For those of you who don't know who I am, I am Michael Mojo. I'm the founder of Mojo Human Performance Institute. We focus on business, mindset, and lifestyle hacking for driven mofos. And the reason why I do this is because most people people will waste their life and I just don't want you to be one of them. So let's just get into them. The first one that I've put down here is that number one, your values create your value. Now, when we talk about values and value, they're the same thing. So the study of axiology is the study of value systems. The study of a person's values come from two different fields. One of them is the study of economics, which helps to answer the question, where am I most valuable in our society or in our economy? The second one is where do I feel the most valuable in our society and in our economy? If you can answer those two questions, questions, they're normally your highest values. Now, when you have a look at your values, you can generate large amounts of wealth from understanding your values. In fact, one of my good friends and past clients owns a massive chain of childcare centers. Now, when I first met him, I said, why did you do childcare centers? And he said, mate, kids are our future. He said, from a young age, I always just realized that kids are the future. And so I wanted to be able to educate and influence children in such a way that we can create a greater future through the education of kids. But he said, also, I know that with kids, it really comes down to their parents. And so he said, I spend a lot of time and energy trying to educate parents on how to influence and educate their children so that then we have the best chance for a great future. And I thought, wow, he's generated millions of dollars, tens of millions of dollars in business by living his highest value of educating children. Now, if you said to the average person that you could make a company worth tens of millions of dollars by educating children, most people wouldn't put the two together. But he just lived his values. He lives his top three highest values consistently, which help him to not only drive a business, but to do the thing that he loves. His second highest value is business and wealth creation. So when you combine those top two values, he has a highly profitable business that helps to educate kids. And he's able to do that because his enthusiasm comes through the way that he operates. And I think that that's amazing. But most people don't really think about that. I get criticized a lot from people who have gone to university and have university degrees. And they say, Michael shouldn't make the money that he makes because he's a fraud. He's a scammer. He rips people off because he doesn't have a psychology degree yet he teaches all this human behavior. What they don't realize is though that I'm living my values. I'm living what's true to me. And what I love is I love studying human behavior. And I've spent a lot of money. If you're watching online, you'll see that there's a lot of books behind me because I love reading. I love researching things. And a lot of the studies that I've done are the exact same things that have been taught at university. I just didn't want to go through and sit in indoctrinated system where I get told what I can and can't think. I wanted to be able to think outside the box and produce results. I don't give a shit about the results. I don't really care about my grades. There are a lot of people out there who care more about their grades or being part of a system and a way of thinking than actually helping people. So I just chose not to do that, but they don't see that because they're probably living outside of their values and they're criticizing people who are living in their values, but then can't understand why they can't get ahead financially and why they're stuck in a job that they don't like. Maybe there's a whole bunch of different reasons, but when you're clear on your values, it gives you a really, really precise reason to do what you love and to earn great money from it. And the greatest wealth creators on the planet have always lived their values. I can talk more about that in another episode down the track, but your value system will dictate how well you do financially. If you have a high value on family, a high value of connection, a high value of travel, a high value of experience, 
experiences and you've got those as your top four values and like your number five, 10, 15 value is business, you're probably not gonna run a highly profitable business that's making tens of millions of dollars a year because it's gonna be very hard to get those other values met first before you get into business. And this is why a lot of people have self-sabotage patterns, self-destructive behaviors in their business because either they subordinate their values to others, which means that they are worried too much about what everyone else thinks about the way that they run business. And a lot of the time, business owners are more worried about what their intimate partner thinks, what their kids think, what their family thinks, what the people who work for them think. And because of that, they'll never run an effective business because they're letting other people's values sabotage their ability to grow their business. Also, if you don't have a high value on business, running a business is crazy. And I try and talk most people out of running a business. It takes a lot of work. When I have people who come to me and say, Michael, you're lucky because you run a business and you can do what you want, when you want, how you want. I normally ask them, I'll say, do you have kids? And a lot of the time they say, yeah. And I say, you're lucky. You get to do what you want, when you want, how you want, because you've had kids. And they look at me and like I'm a fucking idiot. And I say, that's exactly my point. If you're dedicating your life to something, then dedicate your life to it. If you want to be a parent, then dedicate your life to your kids or have kids. But if you don't want to have kids and you have kids, you're setting yourself up for a trap for the next 18 to 25 years, unless you palm the kids off. You're setting yourself up for a lifetime of challenge if that's not what you want. Setting yourself up with a business and then thinking that you want to run a business when you don't want to have a business is crazy. A business comes with a lot of responsibility, a lot of accountability, and you might make a little bit of extra money, but you've also got more responsibility, more accountability. There's so many other problems with that. So understanding your values is probably the number one thing that I can tell really, really quickly as to whether someone wants to grow their business or not, or whether someone will grow their wealth or not. When I have people who come to me and they go, well, you know, I want to get ahead financially and I really want to make a lot of money, but at the same time, I go away on holidays all the time. I don't really want to work that hard. I want to be able to travel the world. I like hanging out with my friends and I like going out all the time and partying. They're probably never really going to get ahead financially. They'll always be looking for shortcuts. They'll be looking for things where they can invest a bit of money and get really quick returns or things that go crazy and skyrocket, but then at the same time, they're high risk. They're normally looking for shortcuts. So you just got to be careful with those things. But anyway, value equals value. So your values equal value and money is the exchange of value. I think that's number one. And it's something that most people very rarely talk about when it comes to wealth creation. Number two here, your mindset will help you appreciate or depreciate things in life. Now, if you self depreciate all the time and you beat the shit out of yourself and tell yourself what a loser you are and you fuck everything up all the time and you can never get things right and that you're an idiot and that you're dumb and you say all this shit to yourself, you're self depreciating. Things that don't appreciate, depreciate. Now, if you're self depreciating, how do you expect your bank account to appreciate? How do you expect to appreciate and enjoy life when you self depreciate? Your mindset is determining what you appreciate and what you depreciate consistently. Make sure that you're not one of the things that depreciates consistently. If you wanna get ahead financially, you have to understand that you're valuable, that you're worth what you're worth, and also that you do a good job, that you try hard, that you're pushing yourself consistently, that you're committed to growth. Because if you don't consistently appreciate yourself and appreciate the things that you do and appreciate things around you, you'll self-depreciate and you'll depreciate the things around you, which means you'll eventually lose them. When I hear people say, money's the root of all evil, I know that they're never gonna get ahead financially. Because the more shit that they talk about money, the more they depreciate money, which means when it comes, they get rid of it. And this is a psychological response that I can almost guarantee. And I've done this working with tens of thousands of people at our Thrive Time event. I can almost tell when someone's gonna make money and get ahead or when someone's gonna stay stuck and broke most of their life because of the self-depreciating thoughts that they have around themselves, around life and around the way that they live. Make sure that you're on top of your thought processes and understand what is appreciation and what is depreciation. And the more you depreciate shit, the more it gets away from you or gets rid of you. Essentially, you're a massive fucking magnet that is repulsing shit around you. And you repulse yourself from doing work. You repulse others who won't want to be around you. Good people don't want to be around dickheads. And if you're someone who talks shit about everybody and complains all the time, you're essentially a massive shit magnet, but you repulse good people. So just be very careful of that. I hear it consistently, especially 
especially when I'm around people who are insecure. Tradies, it happens quite a lot. You just listen to them complain and bitch and moan how fucked everything is, how shit everything is, how they're always stressed. Nothing good wants to be around that. It's going to repulse good things and going to attract naturally shit things. I'm not going to get into the law of attraction because like that stuff gets very woo-woo very quickly. I'm not going to do that. I base a lot of my principles more on scientific models and I know that things either attract or repulse and humans can either attract and repulse. Actually, we'll do both. If we're not attracting the right things, we'll be attracting the wrong things and repulsing the right things. So that's something you've got to be aware of. Things that depreciate lower in value. Make sure that you're not self-depreciating. Make sure you're not consistently talking shit about good people around you because if not, they will be repulsed. So that's number two. Pay yourself first. Now this gets spoken about in most wealth creation books yet most people don't do it. Most people don't pay themselves first, look after themselves first. They put everything else first and so because of that they never get ahead financially. And let me explain this in a bit more detail. At Thrive Time, I consistently talk about making sure that you set up your financial bank account so that every week when money comes in, a little bit of that goes into a savings account. Now I commonly have people to me on this because right now interest rates are dog shit and people go, well, why save money? The reason is because from a psychological standpoint, your brain will create and destroy your reality. Your brain is the thing that tells you what emotions to have. It's the thing that tells you what actions to have. A lot of your unconscious thoughts are the things that become habits and behaviors that you're not aware of. The famous psychiatrist Carl Jung once said that until the unconscious becomes conscious, it will control your life and you call it fate. So most of the day we're living off of these unconscious processes that we just do things and don't really think about them. It's also the thing that stuffs us up when we have things like self-sabotage patterns, procrastination, or behaviors that don't serve us. A lot of people have emotions that don't serve them and they have thought processes that don't serve them. Coming back to the pay yourself first thing, when you're taking a little bit of money every week and putting it into a savings account, what it does is it actually changes the way your brain functions over time. By doing that, eventually you go from a default mode of stress and worrying about money all the time to knowing that you'll be okay. And so I remember when Jess and I first committed to doing this, this was probably like 10 years ago now where we just went, you know what, fuck it, let's do this. And every week we put 10% of everything we earn into a savings account. And what our number one goal was to save three months minimum of our current lifestyle expenses. So I'm just going to use round figures, right? And this isn't the case, but I just want to use round figures. So if someone writes in and says, well, that is not very much money, it's only because I'm using it as an example as a round figure. Let's say our living expenses were $10,000 a month and that covers our current costs. So that's taking care of the home mortgage, food, holidays, clothes, all of that stuff. Let's just say it's 10 grand a month. Now over a three month period, that's $30,000. So what we want to do is our first goal of saving is to save a minimum of $30,000. And that's because you can live at your current lifestyle for three months without having to stress. So if you lost your job or your business had to shut down, you've got three months to get your shit back on track at your current lifestyle. Now, what most people do is they'll cut down their lifestyles and they might halve that. So they might drop down to living at $5,000 a month. When you do that, that extends that time even longer. So now you can live for six months to get your shit back together or get back on track and get out there and make money again. That was our first goal. Then when we got to our first goal, it was hard. It was really, really tough because bills would come in and we'd go, shit, we gotta pay the bills, we gotta pay the bills. Fuck, we'd have creditors ringing and we're not touching the savings. And it's hard because it becomes a mental challenge. Then eventually what happened was we saved three months. Then we pushed it to six months and then we pushed it to a year. And so we saved a whole year's worth of income and we put it into a high interest account and now we've got it off of our mortgage. So just put it on the mortgage or whatever. As long as you can withdraw that money if you need to. So if you lose your job, you can withdraw that money. Or if you lose your business, you can withdraw that money. So please don't put it into an account where if you lose a business that someone can come along and take it like 
creditors can take it. You wanna have it somewhere safe that you can live for a period of time, completely safe, so you can get back on your feet if the worst thing happens. So if the economy turns, let's just say we go into a recession or a depression, you lose your business, you lose your job, you've got three to six months or 12 months, whatever you set as your benchmark to get back on track. Now what that does is it switches you from living in the amygdala or the flight, fight and freeze response on a daily basis around money and allows you to think now as a thrive response. When you do that, then you start making better financial decisions because most people make dumb financial decisions because they're afraid and they're worried. Now, when you're afraid and worried, you'll then also create confirmation biases around getting rich quick. I've been getting messages lately quite a lot because the crypto market shat itself. And I get messages from people going, I just lost five grand. I just lost 20 grand. I just lost 30 grand. I just lost like my whole entire fucking savings by putting it into crypto. Well, if you want to play a high risk game, then you also have to expect that there is rewards that come with that. And the reward is a massive learning that just costs you $5,000, $10,000, $50,000. And that is, let me go to Warren Buffett's famous quote. He said, I've got two rules of investing. Number one, never lose money. And number two, never forget rule number one, never lose money. Now, if you're losing money, it's because you didn't think through that in the first place and you went high risk, high reward straight away. And that is a bad strategy for wealth creation. What you'll find is that most people don't really start to get rich until their 50s and 60s because you've got to start low, you've got to earn the right to invest and also you've got to earn the right to create greater amounts of risk and reward. When you're making like 50 grand a year and you're going to drop $10,000, which is one fifth of your whole entire year, years earning on something like crypto, which is highly volatile and high risk, high reward, that is fucking mental. That is something that I would never suggest. And by the way, anything that I say on here is not financial advice because in this country, I'm not a financial planner, which means that I cannot give financial advice. I'm just giving a bunch of tips and tools that I think are helpful and that I've learned along my way. And should you use them, then you're a fucking adult and you're responsible for your own life. So don't blame me if you do dumb shit. I just have to say that because there are peanuts out there who go and do dumb shit and then they blame it on other people. I just don't want to be one of those people. So be smart. Anyway, you've got to earn the right to invest. Now, when you've got a 25-year-old or a 30-year-old young adult who's going out there and putting $30,000, dollars $50,000 into crypto, which is a year's worth of income, or maybe it's six months worth of income or eight months worth of income, and they're dumping that into cryptocurrency, expecting to get rich, well, you might, but you might also lose that and you just haven't earned the right to invest. I invested in crypto years ago and I ended up pulling out my money because it was too volatile and I just noticed that it was making me more volatile as a person. I didn't make stupid financial decisions because I didn't lose money. I actually made a bit. What I did was I pulled it out and I went, right, what is the most intelligent thing that I can do right now with my money? And let's say that time is no factor and I'm not in a rush. What would I do, which is low risk, low reward, but at the same time will slowly grow my wealth over time and allow things to compound because compound interest, I think it was Warren Buffett who said that compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world. And what he means by that is that compound interest will grow your wealth over time. If you're trying to get rich quick, that's a completely different ball game and it's high risk, high reward. So just be very, very careful with those things. And I'll talk more about that a little bit later on. Going back to pay yourself first, you want to create a safety buffer that then allows your brain to switch off from its emotional volatilities because you don't want to be making financial decisions when you're in fear and you don't want to be making financial decisions when you're excited. Both of those two things will cause a lot of shit. And I've seen many, many people go through this stuff. And I've told a lot of people about this, but most people don't fucking listen because they want to get rich quick. They create something called a confirmation bias where they just want to confirm what they believe to be true because they're excited about it. They will create a disconfirmation bias and disconfirm things that conflict with their 
their belief. And this is what people do with religion, but it's also what people do with financial advice. I've spoken a lot about crypto and all that sort of stuff. And yes, there are opportunities to create a lot of wealth, but there is also in gambling as well. You can make a lot of money gambling, but I wouldn't suggest that it's a good strategy. Some of my friends are professional gamblers. And even for them, I watch their peaks and I also watch their troughs and it can become very emotionally and mentally damaging over time. Some of them have controlled it very, very well and have made a lot of money, but the majority of people don't. So the reason why you want to pay yourself first is because it switches you off from letting your emotions dictate how you think through money, how you invest, and also how you get wealthy. But I also know that as a young person in my teens, I started investing in the share market back when, I don't even know if it still exists, but it was called E-Trade. It was part of ANZ Bank and I used to buy and sell shares. And I like made 10 and a half thousand bucks, I think when I was like 17 or 18 in E-Trade, like back in the old dial-up internet days. And I thought I was like the king shit. And I remember taking that money out and I went to Thailand with all my mates, shouted everybody drinks and all that stuff. I ended up with no money again. And looking back now, I go, that was just part of me being stupid and dumb and not really thinking through things. I wasn't thinking long-term. I would invest in things to try to get rich quick. I was looking at penny stocks and things that were, you know, they would go up really, really quickly. But the problem with that is that they went down really, really quickly as well. And over the years, I ended up with the same amount of money that I started with. I just wasted time. I also did foreign exchange trading for a while. I didn't get ahead. I didn't lose. I just ended up pretty much at the same place. I just wasted time. I did the same thing with options trading as well. I did that for a while. Same thing. I lost money. I gained money and probably ended up exactly the same. And it just wasn't worth it. So now I invest in things that have low risk, low return. And over time, I earn the right to invest at higher risks. But what I do is I create reinvestment schemes of dividends. I normally buy at the right time. And this is just me personally as well. I've just been saving up cash or putting cash just into the investment account because I know that the market is overinflated and it's over hot. Now it might keep going up, it might not, but I'm just waiting for it to dump a little bit and I'll go in there and buy. But I'm still looking for good opportunities to buy good companies as well. Essentially, when you buy a share, you're buying a company. But I only invested after I had my minimum amount of savings. So I saved a whole entire year's worth of cash with my wife, Jess, before we even started investing because markets can change and you don't want to have the markets drop by 30% and you shit your pants because you just think that you've lost 30% of your wealth and then pull that money out because you're afraid. If you do that, you'll never get ahead. So I want to know that no matter what happens, I'm safe. If the markets go up or down, I don't really give a shit. I just know that the markets go up on average. They're very predictable, about 8% per year on year, year after year. It's about 8 to 10% depending on what you're buying. But on average, Australian US markets, 8 to 10%, maybe 7 Over time, keep reinvesting the dividends and bang, wealth keeps getting created. That's how I think through it. But again, you can do whatever you want. You're an adult, but you want to pay yourself first if you can and do that first. That's one of the first things I tell everybody if they're trying to get ahead financially. So that's number three. Number four is invest in being better. Most people don't think of themselves as an investment. You're either an investment or a liability. Now, if you're not consistently investing in yourself, you're a fucking liability. And you're a liability because if you're shit talking to yourself consistently in your own mindset, you're self-depreciating. If you're self-depreciating and you've got self-sabotage patterns, procrastination, not only are you wasting time, you're destroying shit around you. That's not a benefit. Also, if your communication is poor, you're leaving money on the table every day of the week. If your health and energy is shit and you're tired all the time, you're essentially wasting time and you're also wasting your energy and your output on a daily basis. So if you have a look at your life as either an investment or a liability, and if you're a consistent liability and you're not investing in yourself to consistently grow, then you're holding yourself back. I tell people all the time in my events, the most common things that I invest in are my highest values. Now my highest value is teaching and learning. So I spend the majority of my money every year on learning and teaching. So I invest a lot of money, obviously back as a company, back into teaching and educating people. But also I spend a lot of money on study. I study my mindset. I go and study wealth and finance and financial markets. I travel all around the world studying. And I did do this even when I was broke. I would put a little bit of money in savings at every other cent that I could stinge up. I would spend on learning. I would get in a plane and I would travel across the other side of the 
the country. I would travel across the other side of the world. I've flown multiple times to Johannesburg or South Africa. I've flown to America multiple times. I've gone overseas. I've gone to New Zealand. And then I've traveled all around the country consistently investing in myself. And I invested over a million dollars on study before I made my first million dollars in business. Now, I meet so many people who say to me, I want to get ahead in life and I really want to do well and I really want to live this great lifestyle. And then it comes to them spending like two and a half grand on themselves or 10 grand on themselves and they fucking shit their pants. Yet, they're 100% comfortable buying a $30,000 car knowing that it depreciates. So that $30,000 car will lose them $20,000 in what, eight years or something like that, depending on the markets. But let's just say they lose 20,000 bucks in eight years and they're 100% guaranteed to lose that money. Yet most people are happy to do that. But when it comes to investing in themselves and putting money back into their brain and their lifestyle and their body, they don't do it. As a personal trainer, I see this every week in the gym. Well, personal training is expensive. Well, fucking being fat and overweight and feeling like shit about yourself and overeating food and just hating life, that's also expensive because you are going to die. And when you die, you're never going to get the opportunity to live the life that you want, full stop. If you're happy with how you're living, cool, so be it. Now, if you're unhappy and you're not where you want to be, then you better start getting your shit together to sort that out. Now, I know I'm being harsh here, but this is the channel for driven mofos. If you're a fucking little softy and you want to be told all the nice things and that life's going to be okay and everything will work itself out and all you got to do is think nice thoughts and nice things happen. This probably isn't the channel for you, but for all the driven mofos out there, you know exactly what I mean. And every now and again, you need a bit of a kick in the face and a bit of a reality check. I know I sure as shit need one. And that's why I love doing this stuff as well, because I get this from the people around me almost daily where I get reality checked. But that's the truth, right? So if you're not happy with where you are, things have to change and things have to change now. So if you don't have the money that you want, if you don't have the body that you want, if you don't have the lifestyle that you want, if you don't have the relationship that you want, then when the fuck is it going to change? If it's not going to change now, it's probably not going to change in the future either, because the thing that's stopping you from doing that is making the right decisions. And until you build up the right decision-making factors in your own life, you won't make the right decisions. You'll just keep putting things off. And that's how most people live. Remember, invest in yourself to be better. So this is number four of my list so far. So number one was understand your values because value equals values. Number two is that your mindset will either appreciate or depreciate. And if you're not appreciating, you're depreciating. And so that's going to affect your ability to generate wealth. Number three is pay yourself first. Make sure that you're putting money into some sort of a savings account, not because it's a rainy day fund. If you think about it as a rainy day fund, when bills come in, you'll spend the money. I treat my savings as though they don't even exist. Like if we're struggling financially, which we've done multiple times as the business grows and sucks up heaps of cash flow, I never ever go back to my savings account. I don't even think about touching our savings. Never thought about it. And I don't touch the investments either. The investments are the investments. And as a company, the company needs to make money and needs to be profitable. Now I will go out and get loans as a business in order to survive, or I'll go and bring in investors in order to survive. I've never had to do that yet. I would rather do that and have that attached to the company than my personal assets. Now my personal assets are personal. They have nothing to do with the business. And I separate the two because business is a high risk game. I don't want to attach a high risk with our personal stuff. I want to know that I'm going to be safe at least for 12 months minimum. And that also I've got investments working as a personal structure outside of the company that is our operating company. There are other ways to structure that tax wise, which I might get into in another episode. But anyway, and not that I'm an accountant and can't give accounting advice, but I can tell you how we set up some of our accounts and some things to think through, which will help with tax and taxation. But anyway, let's keep moving on. Number three was pay self first. Savings equals safety and switches off that part of your brain that puts you into the fight, fight or freeze response and makes you feel stressed about money all the time, which then will impact your ability to make good investing decisions. Number four was invest in being better. If you're not consistently investing in yourself, in your health, in your lifestyle, in your relationship, in your family, in your spirituality or whatever you want to call it, if you're not investing in wealth and ability to learn more about finances or you're investing in your business or your career, then any area that doesn't expand is going to contract. So these are things that you want to think about. Number five is investment versus liabilities. Now I've touched on this a second ago. So with investments versus liabilities, everything in life can be seen as an investment or a liability. Now your time, you can either 
either invest or it becomes a liability where you waste it. Your health is either an investment or a liability. It's either accelerating you forward or it's holding you back. Your wealth and your money is either accelerating you forward or it's holding you back. It's an investment or a liability. Now, everything in your life, you should be doing an investment versus liability chart. Now, something that I do at some of my events like Triumph, which comes after Thrive Time or our business and entrepreneur Odyssey, which is our business mastermind in there, I will get people to list all of their liabilities. And then I get them to brainstorm ways of thinking about how to turn them into an asset, which is the way that I was able to buy two supercars and have two supercars. They make me money. Now, most people don't even think through it. When I tell people and explain to them that my cars make me money, they go, fuck, I never thought of that. But I hear people talk shit on social media and say stuff like, well, that's a good waste of money and only a douchebag would buy a car like that. But what they don't realize is that it makes me money. Why would I not have it? So they just don't think like that. Staff are an asset or a liability. You know, your mindset is an asset or a liability. If you can grab all your liabilities and the things that are stopping you from growing and try to figure out how to turn them into assets, I guarantee it will change your life. And after a while, you just have your whole life will be an asset, not surrounded by consistent liabilities. Your friendships are assets or liabilities. Most people don't do liability checks on their friends, right? Are these people holding me back or are they accelerating me forward? Are these people on the same wavelength and the same path? Or are these are a big fucking brick that's dragging me backwards and causing me to drown? Most people don't do it because they go, oh, you know, I can't really tell my friends that they're a liability and they're holding me back in life. So, okay, that's cool. You subordinate to them and you're living because of the past and what they've given you in the past, but they're not helping you to move forward into the future. I don't think that that's a good way of living, but hey, look, I don't know. I know years ago, I moved away from my friendship circles because I felt like that they weren't the right friendship circle to help me to get where I wanted. Now, that may have been ignorant. I don't know. What I do know is that I did it for me, not for them. I did it for me and I put myself first. Over time, they said that I was ignorant, that I was arrogant, that I was a dickhead, that I was getting taken advantage of, that doing all these courses and seminars and learning all this stuff and the people that I was hanging out with were all idiots. But over a 10 to 15 year period, a lot of those friends started coming to my seminars, coming to my events. Some of them are probably listening to the podcast now. And if you are, awesome, because it shows that you've grown. But hopefully I was the inspirational catalyst to make them grow and to make them evolve as a person. I know a lot of my family have changed, not because I've done my events or our seminars, but because I've just noticed a change in me and they'll ask me questions and I'll be able to sort of give them feedback or maybe help them with some advice that helps them to grow and expand. And I've just noticed that some friends and family have changed because I've grown as a person and I've grown as a better communicator and all of those sort of things. So if I stayed stuck, everybody would have stayed stuck. So you have to decide, do you want to be the catalyst for change? Do you want to be the inspiration that helps others around you to flourish? Or do you just want to hold yourself back because everyone else is like quicksand and you're just sinking in that shit as well? So it's up to you how you want to live. But again, everything is an investment or a liability. That's number five. Number six is that volatile emotions equal a volatile bank account. So if you show me a bank account, I'll tell you how your mindset is in your psychology. It's pretty easy because if you get paid and you go out and blow it, I know that you operate on excitement and probably a depression or feeling like shit because people who feel like shit tend to buy things to feel good or to get excited about things, which then creates more volatilities. And all emotions are volatile. So what goes up has to come back down and what's down goes back up. When someone's feeling down in most cases emotionally, if you think about your amygdala or your emotional centers within your brain, they're essentially like a pendulum that swings from side to side and they create something called an impulse, which means moving towards something you perceive is beneficial in life or an instinct, which is moving away from fear or a threat. So if you're consistently moving away from a threat, you'll move towards things that you perceive give you pleasure, which then will throw you back into pain. And then you'll move towards pleasure and you'll go towards pain. Now, you know this, you'll know this because if I just give you a couple of examples, for instance, if you're sitting at your desk during the day and you feel trapped, you'll start thinking about holidays and you'll start thinking about the weekend and wanting to get away. That's because your brain is trying to create mental stability between two different 
different thoughts. One of them is feeling trapped and the other one is about feeling free. So the more you feel trapped, the more you're gonna keep thinking about holidays or weekends and wanting to get away because that'll help you to feel free. So your brain's counterbalancing itself. Most people who work in the field of mental health and psychology and that don't even understand this principle, but it's pretty obvious if you just look at it. That's number one. Now, if you feel wealthy and abundant, you'll put yourself in positions to feel poor again. And it depends on how you look at poverty. So I got on a cruise ship where on the cruise ship, the majority of people on there were overeating, over drinking, overspending. And the people in front of me were talking about the poverty that they saw when they were in Fiji on this tour. And I found it very interesting that they were getting back onto a cruise ship of absolute like gluttony, which is overconsumption and over excess, which essentially is a cruise ship. They're getting back on there talking about how poor people were in Fiji. Yet the thing that I saw was that these people in Fiji didn't seem to have a lot. Yet they smiled, they were happy, they were friendly. Yet most people I know who go on cruise ships and go on holidays all the time are fucking miserable and trying to get away from their life. So they just couldn't see where the poverty was on both sides and where the wealth was on both sides. What I saw was that Fijians have lifestyle wealth, but financial, I guess you could say poverty. Whereas people on the cruise ship had financial wealth, but lifestyle poverty. So it's just asking better questions, but your brain counterbalances those things consistently. I'll give you another example. If during the week, if you feel like you're trapped and stressed all the time, you'll naturally start to think about pleasure on the weekend. And so what you'll find is that most people eat really well during the week. And then on the weekend, they will overindulge, but their overindulgence comes from a lack of consumption during the week. And this is also what happens with diets. When someone's on a diet, they're fasting. And when they're fasting, they'll eventually go on a feast mode. And so their brain consistently goes through fast, feast, fast, feast, fast, feast. And when they feast and overconsume, they'll want to then underconsume. And that creates these volatile cycles that most people go through. I talk way more about this at our Thrive Time event and get into like a lot more of the neuroscience and the psychology and the way that our body, like the biology of this stuff in our events. So you can come and check that out. If you haven't come to Thrive Time yet, I give a money back guarantee that if you pay to come along and you don't think that it's worth the money, I give a refund because I know that it's one of the greatest events on the planet if you want to achieve and if you want to improve the quality of your life. So volatile emotions create volatile bank accounts. So when you're elated and excited, you'll be living in pleasure. You will buy shit that then will then lead you back to pain and pain will then drive you to gain more pleasure and it will create these vicious cycles. When people feel like they're poor, they will try to get rich quick. And when they get rich quick, it will normally lead them back to being poor and feel like they don't have enough money and it will go through these cycles. So just be very, very careful with that. But it's very obvious that volatile emotions create volatile bank accounts. Just be aware of it. Number seven is earn the right to risk. So you want to start with low risk, low reward investments, and then over time start to create high risk, high reward. Now, Warren Buffett talks a lot about this in his stuff. You can go and read it. There are some amazing investors out there. If you haven't gone and looked at Peter Lynch's great stuff, Charlie Munger also, who's Warren Buffett's business partner. If you haven't read The Intelligent Investor by Benjamin Graham, there are some amazing books and some amazing knowledge out there on wealth creation, but you've got to earn the right to risk. If you're starting your investments, you don't want to go high risk, high reward straight away. Because if you do that, you're setting yourself up for failure. And I meet a lot of people who invest in dumb shit and then they lose their money and then they just stop investing for the rest of their life because it's dangerous. And so they only have two strategies, save money, which at the moment interest rates are shit. And so if your financial plan is to save money, that's fucking dumb. You'll never get ahead financially. Savings are fantastic, like I mentioned before, as a way of getting you to feel safe and switching off that part of the brain where you start taking high risks and all of that sort of stuff. That's why it's important from a mental and a psychological aspect. It's important to have savings. But as an investment strategy, just investing in savings and thinking that at a 1% or 2% interest rates, you're ever going to get ahead financially when inflation outgrows that is crazy. So that's not a strategy. That's a strategy that worked in my parents and my grandparents era, but not now. It might work if we have a massive financial decline and a crash and we go into a depression. That might work if interest rates go up to 16% or 15% or 10%. It's not going to work now with interest rates that low. So you've got to change your strategy. And that's why a lot of people listen to their parents about their finances 
and then they repeat the same patterns. I spoke to a person yesterday where they were telling me that their partner, the thing that makes them feel safe is just seeing money in the bank all the time. So he wanted to go and grow his business, but his wife is holding him back because she's afraid and naturally just wants him to save money all the time. But that's a really, 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 really shit strategy if you wanna grow a business. Now, you need to have savings, but you also can't have that as a strategy for getting your business to grow. If you wanna grow that into a five, 10, $20 million business, you're gonna have to spend a shitload and reinvest a shitload of money back into the business in order to get it to grow. Bank account doesn't just grow, 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 especially in a business, it will grow, then you spend money or reinvest money in that next stage of growth. So the bank account drops again and money becomes tight. That's part of a growth cycle. So anyone who's grown a business knows that cash flow can go out quite quick when you're in a growth phase and that's normal. So coming back to it, you've got to earn the right to risk, start with low risk, low reward, and then grow over time. But you need to be thinking about your investment strategy and make sure that you're making investment strategies for this current day and age. And this investment cycle or this economic cycle, there's a lot of really good stuff from Ray Dalio where you can get on YouTube and look up the economic machine. Also, he's got another one which is called New World Order. It's fantastic. If you haven't watched them, I recommend that you do it. It's fantastic. But just learn a little bit more about economies and learn a bit more about this stuff if you do want to get ahead financially. Automate your wealth as much as you can without giving away control. So when I hear people say, I've given $100,000 to someone to invest, that's fucking mental. I would never do that. Now that's me, but I would never do that because if they lose $100,000, you're essentially going to blame them for losing that money and you're not going to get the learning. I've lost a lot of money over the years, as in I haven't so much as lost money. I've got back the money that I had lost from that same investment strategy. But by making those mistakes, I learned lessons, which I was able to go back in and get that money back and make more money over time because I learned how to invest it properly. If you're giving away your money and someone else loses it, they lose your money, but they also are the ones who get the lesson. You don't. So you essentially get nothing in return for that. I always recommend, and this is a recommendation that you can take or leave. I always recommend to manage your own money and to look after your own money and to keep your eye on everything. Even as the company grows, as a business grows, you still want to have your eye on the financials and all that stuff. Even if you've got an accountant or a bookkeeper, you want to be managing that money because it is quite easy for people to start slipping away a little bit of stuff or doing the wrong things with it. And you can get caught out really, really quickly with your pants down, metaphorically. Maybe not metaphorically, I don't know. You just want to manage your own money. So I manage my own investments. And that's why I do low risk, low return at first and invest in things like shares where I can get consistent dividends over time. If I go and do a little bit of research, I can put in a little bit of time look through, see good companies. I buy a good company at a good price when it's on sale and then keep reinvesting the dividends and just watch it grow over time. It's not that complicated. Now, if not, you can buy into the S&P 500 or the Fortune 500 or whatever you want to call it. You can buy index funds and those indexes invest over a large portion of indexes. You don't have to worry about them, but you can manage that yourself. You don't need to go to someone who charges you 5% or 3% or 2% in order to manage that portfolio because you can do it all yourself. I know that there are a lot of people out there who feel insecure around money, but they only insecure in investing money because they just don't know enough about it yet. So just spend a little bit of money and a little bit of time researching things. Go to free seminars, go to free workshops, read books, and then over time, slowly start investing more and more learning. And the greater your wealth becomes, the more you invest in those learnings. Like I probably spend 10 or so thousand, actually I, I spend way more than that on good accountants, good financial planners and things like that. Now I don't necessarily invest with them, but I wanna know answers to questions that I have that they can help me with so that then I can implement them in my investment strategy, in my tax strategy, all of those sort of things. So every week when money comes into our accounts. I won't get into this too much, but I essentially set up a cash pool. That cash pool just has money coming in from all different accounts, whether they're company investment accounts through the business or whether they are payments of different things. The money just sits there. I don't use the money day in, day out, day in, day out. I have a cash pool. It builds up and then once a week, Jess, my wife, goes in there and she puts money into the correct accounts. So a little bit of money goes into the savings or the cash buffer. Money goes into other accounts that we have. I guess we pay ourselves a wage first and then from our wage, we put that into our personal investment 
investments and so on. And then from there, other things get automated where a lot of the account keeping is automated so that then we don't have to worry too much about it. Because what I find is that if you've got to manage your money, like let's say you've got to go and pay bills every day. When you do that, it's a pain in the ass. And also you've got to get there and watch money going out of the account. If it's all automated, money just goes out of those accounts. When it goes out of my accounts into the investment accounts, I can actually schedule depending on the times, like I'm investing in indexes and I want to just dollar cost average, which means every week I put money into that index. If I do that, I all automate the whole thing so that then when on say it's Tuesdays, when the money gets separated out of the main cash pool into the other accounts, when it goes into the investment account, the bank account, then from there that gets pulled straight out. It goes straight into a share account and then that share account, the money gets invested and I don't have to worry about it. All I need to do is every three months, look at it, make sure that it's going up or the money's going in and then I just leave it. I don't have to think about it. So I check my share portfolio maybe every fortnight. Sometimes I go a month or so without checking because it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether it goes up or down. It's a long-term strategy. You want to automate as much as you can. You don't want to have to be paying bills every week. You don't want to have to be getting in there and paying the tax department. Just have the money go into like a tax account, average it out over a three-month period, make sure that money every week goes into that tax account and then every three months, a set amount goes bang straight into your tax. Done. And then if you need to readjust it, just adjust it. But you want to automate as much as you can so you don't have to fuck around with your money. Number nine is surround yourself with wealth. Something that I find is that people become uncomfortable talking about wealth. At my events, I talk about wealth quite a bit and I talk about money because I don't have an emotional attachment to money. It's an exchange of value. It is what it is. I use it as a tool, but I feel quite comfortable talking about wealth, just like I feel comfortable talking about health, just like I feel comfortable talking about human behavior. It's just another area of life. But I notice that a lot of people get really uncomfortable. And sometimes I get feedback at my events. Michael only ever talks about money. Well, I don't. I spend like 90% of the time talking about other shit. It's just that that person has an emotional response to me talking about money. So every time I mention the word money or wealth, or I talk about anything to do with money, to them, it's like getting stabbed in the head. They feel it every time I talk about it. And after a while, it feels like they've been stabbed multiple times throughout the event. So it's like they have this gaping wound where they're uncomfortable. And so then they give that feedback, but that's a confirmation bias around something that makes them uncomfortable. Now, if you're uncomfortable like that about talking about money, then why would you make more money if it makes you uncomfortable? And so there are a lot of people out there like I hear all the time and my parents used to do it. We don't talk about money at the dinner table. Okay, rich people do. Rich people are happy to talk about money with their kids. They're happy to talk about money over the dinner table or wherever they are because to them it's just another tool and so they're quite comfortable I've worked with a client and they inherited 70 plus million dollars in that inheritance they quite openly spoke about money they spoke about money with their kids all of that stuff because their family had multiple generations of wealth and so for them money was just a normal thing it wasn't good it wasn't bad it was just another thing that they just managed in their life just like their health whereas I find a lot of people especially in the lower socioeconomic class or the middle lower to middle socioeconomic class don't like talking about money they don't like sharing about money they don't like talking about investments because it's like everything has to be secretive because you get judged on talking about money. But rich people don't give a fuck. They talk about it either way because it's just another tool of exchange. So who you surround yourself with is who you become. Now, this could be part of the mirror neuron effect in the brain. I'm not 100% sure. It seems that we adapt to try to fit in. If your friends don't like talking about money, money makes them uncomfortable. They judge rich people. Say rich people are assholes. My boss is a prick. They make all the money and you watch them judge people and you're surrounded by that. Don't be surprised if you don't get ahead financially or don't be surprised if you self-sabotage and self-destruct your finances. Okay, so that was number nine. And then number 10, be careful listening to the crowd. If you want to fit in, then you're going to be average. If you want to stand out, then you need to be great. You need to listen to people who are great with wealth creation and not listen to the crowd. Normally crowds flock together. So when the financial markets are going up and you're in a bull market and everything is going well and everyone looks like they're winning, most people start to get on board. The problem with that is that most of the money's already been made. I remember years ago, Jess was doing house flipping for a little bit. And I remember that the mentor that she had said, 
said that when you buy the house, that's where all the money's created. It's in the price that you buy it for, not the price that you sell it for. Because the margin is gonna come in the buy price, not the sell price. Now, yes, you can sell it for a bit more, but the cheaper you can get it, the greater you can sell it for. The lower you can stay on top of your cost, the greater the profit margin. I think that it's really, really important to not follow the crowd. And Warren Buffett says this, that it's only when the tide goes out that you see who's swimming naked or with their pants down. Now, what he means by that is that in the share market, when everything's in a bull market and everyone's winning and you can make shitloads of money, everyone seems like an expert. When the crypto market was going up, my social media page was just saturated with crypto gurus and crypto heroes telling everyone how dumb they were and how shit they were if they weren't in crypto and how, you know, this is going to be the future and how Bitcoin's going to go to a million bucks and blah, 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 and you need to buy Bitcoin. And so they're pushing their beliefs onto everybody else, which is then getting the market excited. It's all those crypto bros that are pushing the market up. Now, like a giant Ponzi scheme, and I'm not saying that crypto is a Ponzi scheme, but I'm just saying if you go and study Ponzi schemes, the more people that invest, the more the Ponzi scheme keeps working because there's more money in it. And so providing you can keep pulling people in, eventually the money will keep being there until eventually it's not and then the ass falls out of it. Now, all markets are like that in some way. Like the share market is like that. You've got an underlying asset, which is the value of the business. Now that value of the business is the value of the business, but that share price could be two, three, five, ten 10 times the amount of the actual company price because the share market's just going mental. It's like fish in a pond when you throw food in there and they're savages, they'll just jump around and fight each other and there's fucking water going everywhere. That's the same thing happens in the share market or the crypto market or the housing market. You know, I've seen this consistently with the housing market lately as well, that people are just spending ridiculous amounts on housing, which is overinflating prices, which is pushing lower and lower to middle socioeconomic class out of the market because they just can't buy houses. And this is what consistently happens when the markets are super hot. The problem with that though, is that when everyone's buying, the markets are inflating, prices are inflating, and that's when most people feel comfortable buying because they go, now it's safe, it's the right time to buy. Mum and dad investors get in and they keep pushing the market up because they keep buying, but they're buying an overinflated asset. So you've just got to be very, very careful about that. If you look at Warren Buffett and the greatest investors, they're looking for the market to dump. They want to buy houses when the market is dog shit, when property prices are shit and no one can sell a house and the market's crap and no one can get a loan. That's when the investors want to go in and buy because that's where they know they're going to make the greatest amount of money. They're just going to ride it out over time in most cases. The same thing happens in the share market. When the share market crashes and everything's undervalued by 20% or 30%, that's when the big investors go in and buy and make a shitload of money because they're going to make that 20% up plus the growth of the next cycle. So you just got to be really careful about listening to the crowd. And I hear so many people give advice around wealth consistently where people who have never made money are now all of a sudden a crypto bro and they're super smart and they're switched on. They're telling everyone else that they're stupid and dumb because you know you don't know and you don't understand. Just relax, man. Like you've made money for a year. Like the markets have been going mental. Yeah, all right, you're ahead financially for this year. But for the last 28 years of your life or the last 35 years of your life, you can't even afford a new pair of fucking shoes. So shut your mouth. This is the point that I'm trying to make. And I know I'm being harsh here, but be very, very careful about listening to the crowd of people moving in a direction. And also if a person doesn't have a good long-term ability to generate wealth, then just be very, very careful. I see this happening in network marketing. I remember years ago, there was a business here in Adelaide where I was getting hit up like five times a day almost. People saying, you've got to get involved in this stuff. I would get asked to go and do speaking gigs. Now I love network marketing. Now I'm not involved in it, but I love the idea of giving people their independence and stuff. So I get asked a lot to go and speak for network marketing teams and so on. And I normally do it for free because I know that if I can help them and inspire them, I know that people come to my events and things like that. And it helps me with my marketing and so on. So I go and do these talks, but I'm honest, it's hard work. It's a business. You've got to put in effort. You've got to put in energy. Now, a lot of the people who sell network marketing don't like that because they like to sell the fantasy that it's easy. You work two hours a day and you make all this money and you just sit on beaches and you know you just sit there and you can go and travel to the Maldives and do nothing and you never have to work again. And all these other people are going to work for you. It doesn't work like that. And 
It never has and it never will. Business doesn't work like that. So if you're in that, you still have to work. A lot of the people who do really well in network marketing, they don't work as much as what they used to, but they worked for a long time and they worked really, really hard and now they still get up at nighttime and they still do the talks at six o'clock at nighttime and they do all that stuff and the pitches and they go and speak on big stages and all that. They're still working. It's just that they're working now within their values and they're doing more of that stuff, which makes them feel fulfilled and good on them for doing that. But I remember years ago when this network marketing team was running shit hot and it was a brand, I don't want to mention it because I don't want to say it's good or bad. These people were telling me that I was a fool for not being involved in it. All these people making money and people going out and buying Mercedes and brand new cars and all this shit. People had never had money before. Brand new Range Rovers, all of that sort of stuff. And then within 12 to 24 months, this whole thing has collapsed like an absolute motherfucker, like just absolutely collapsed. People lost their cars. I think some of the people lost their houses because they went out and remortgaged brand new houses that were bigger and they were living this amazing epic lifestyle because all the money was there. But what they didn't realize is eventually that thing's going to collapse because it's based on number one, a fantasy. Number two, it's based on a delusion. Number two, it's based on teaching people that you don't have to work hard to make money. Number three, it's selling a false promise. It was just crazy. But anyway, these things happen. So number 10 was be careful listening to the crowds. Just be very, very careful. When all the predators are eating, you don't want to be around that area. Go and find somewhere else to eat. If you are someone who's working hard and pushing hard, you just got to be careful because if everyone else is getting rich in a certain environment, you want to make sure you're one of the first people in, not one of the last people in. Because if you are, that's normally when the market's going to crash. So let me go through these again. These are the unconventional tips for creating greater personal wealth. Number one is understand your values because values equal your value and value equals money. Money is the exchange of value, the fair and equitable exchange of money. Number two, your mindset will help you to appreciate or depreciate. Pay yourself first. Savings equal safety in your own brain and it turns off the flight or fight response within your brain so you don't stress about money all the time and you can make better financial decisions. Invest in being better. Number five was liabilities versus assets. Know the difference. Turn your liabilities into assets and be careful in consistently investing in liabilities. Volatile emotions equal a volatile bank account. So get on top of your emotions. Thrive Time's available. Our Thrive Time event. Come there, learn how to get your mindset in balance and also your emotions in balance so that you're more of a stable person. Stable people create better investments and greater long-term wealth. People who are excited don't or people who are afraid don't either. Earn the right to risk. Automate your wealth as much as you can without giving away control. Number nine is surround yourself with wealth and people who are quite happy to talk about money and wealth creation openly without attaching a label of good and bad to it. And number 10, be careful learning or listening to the crowd. Anyway, I hope that helps. I hope you enjoyed it. Please remember if you haven't done so, please remember to like, subscribe and share. The more we can get this out there, the better. And finally, remember, never underestimate the dream. Keep living with Mojo and peace out everybody.